Lifestyles Unlimited presents the Real Estate Investor Radio Show. We unfold your map to financial freedom. You'll learn how to retire through investing in single-family and multifamily real estate. You'll learn how to create cash flow and build wealth so you can have the time and money to live the lifestyle you want. Welcome to the show. This is Andy Webb with Lifestyles Unlimited. And as always, we're working on your financial freedom. And I've got a great guest for you today. I know you're going to want to hear this, whether you're investing in single family or apartments. But just quickly, a reminder, our Lifestyles Unlimited Wealth and Passive Income Expo is right around the corner. And I do encourage you, if you haven't uh, got a pass already, be sure to go to our website, lifestylesunlimited.com, and click on the Expo and Tour button. You can read about those there. We're actually sold out. Four of the six are sold out. One of those remaining is 95% sold out. So you're, you're running out of options there. And just to tie this into the show, you know, we do talk a lot on the program about the foundation of your success as an investor. That is a solid education. That is a network of other investors and mentors to show you the way and a power team of contractors and other professionals that support your business. You're going to get that at the expo education, two days of breakout sessions, plenty to learn network thousands and i mean thousands and thousands of investors there as well as our mentor team and as far as building your team be sure to stop by the expert hall where you will find the folks that you are going to need to add to your team lenders insurance brokers contractors lots of folks ready to share their knowledge and on the topic of building your team and education and foundations i am joined today by an expert in foundations building foundations evaluating repairing, maintaining those foundations. And I, I had the great opportunity to see him speak recently at the multifamily road trip here in Dallas. He knows his stuff. He explains it well. So if you have questions about that foundation on your house, on your, I don't know, your duplex, triplex, quad, your, your apartments, this is the show for you. So I'm joined today by Gary Coffing. He's with Correct Foundation Repair. That's correct with a K. And they've been a vendor on our vendor program for a few years now. We'll learn, we'll learn more from Gary directly. Gary, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Absolutely. And, and to start the show, just give us a little bit of your background. Tell us what you do. Tell us what Correct Foundation Repair does. What is your role there? Um, help us understand what you guys do. Absolutely. Um, I'm 45 years in heavy concrete and steel construction. About uh, 42 of those I've spent in foundation repair. I've been a national speaker on foundation repair for real estate investors for close to three decades. Uh, started speaking at Lifestyles events, I want to say about 15, maybe 18 years ago. Uh, so I uh, definitely have put in the time. And speaking about just let's let's kind of dial this in. You you guys correct foundation repair. I know you from here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I've seen you at I don't know events over the years. We've we've been trying to get you on for a while. Um, are you guys? Do you op just for for my understanding and maybe for the listeners? Are you operating here in Texas? What is your what is your coverage area? Right. Yeah. Uh, correct foundation repair is actually located in Arlington with our offices in Fort Worth. Uh, we service the entire DFW as well as Austin, San Antonio. Um, I do work in Houston on multifamily and for many of my investors that go back you know, 25, 30 years plus. This company is a solid company, and this is one of the things that attracted me to the company. 
young owners. Uh, one came from a foundation repair background, the other from a roofing background, and they put together a general contracting company that has the versatility to be able to, to do an entire renovation, but most of their emphasis has been on insurance claims, uh, flood, water damage type claims. Uh, the foundation division is a separate division. It has its own dedicated subs, so we're able to offer investor pricing on foundation repair that we generally can't on those other facets of renovation. So I, I concentrate on building out and growing out the foundation repair division. We had a record year. Uh, looking forward to another record year. Uh, this is an A-plus rated company, five stars. Uh, not every project goes perfect, but truly the the mark of a good company is how they respond to problems as they occur. And you don't get these types of ratings by being by night or buck in a truck. We're fully insured. Uh, we have the experts to be able to assess the needs of the client, give the client as many options as possible. But as you heard in my presentation last week, I'm very interested in making sure my clients understand what's going on. There's not a one-size-fits-all quick fix for foundations. It really is very site-specific. The soils sure. the structure sits on, all of those things need to be assessed. And that's where I bring a quality uh, to this industry that's rarely seen. It's just pure honesty. Yeah, 42 years of experience, that, that, that is absolutely going to be hard to, to beat. So uh, what I wanted to in part learn there is, so you guys are addressing Texas primarily. Now, we do have listeners that are, that are out of state that may be investing out of state or coming from out of state investing here in Texas. So I think understanding this, this, this foundation topic is, is extremely important for them. Let's start with some basics here for the listener. Let's assume they're, they're, maybe they're homeowners, maybe they're not, maybe they don't know the first thing about foundations. And let's focus again here on Texas. What are the common types of foundations that we're going to see here in Texas as investors? And what are the pros and cons of those? All right. Briefly, you're going to see three types of construction for the most part. Uh, the more modern is the slab on grade foundations, just referred to as slab homes. Then you have pier and beam homes, which traditionally is a concrete perimeter beam. Occasionally, it may have a concrete interior beam, but for the most part, it's a, a concrete perimeter with piers, individual piers placed every so many feet on center supporting wood beams and a wood floor joist system. Uh, the third type would be what we call block and pad. These are your farmhouse or your modular buildings, uh, even Mobile homes, uh, you'll see them sitting on cinder blocks that are set on a precast base. So those are the three, uh, for all intents and purposes, types of foundations. Most people call pier and beam, whether it's on block and base or has a perimeter beam, pier and beam. But we do uh, have you know, block and base or block and pad is, is common terminology in our industry. Do you tend to see an older building with one or the other, newer with, with one or the other? Oh, sure, yeah. The older buildings are going to be the true pier and beam or the block and base. Some of those are even sitting on cedar piers, wood piers, where it looks like there's a tree stump that the house sits on. That that goes way back into some of the, the earlier builds. Uh, but uh, same function. Uh, the, the newer homes are all concrete slab. We have two types of those, the steel reinforced ones and the cable tension type, post-tension cabling reinforcement. Uh, that's most commonly used on new builds. 
And what are some pros and cons for me as the investor uh, when it comes to buying the one or the other? Well, pros and cons. Uh, you know, slab homes, uh, because of the weight factor of most of those, we can do a deep and permanent pier. So you fix that less frequently. It is a little more expensive, but it is more permanent. Pier and beam, uh, it varies. You know, on the, the perimeter beam, if it's a heavy enough structure, you can get permanent repairs. But on the interior sections, it's very difficult to get a permanent repair. So it's much less expensive to repair a pier and beam or block and base, block and pad, than it is a slab, but you may have to adjust it more frequently. That's interesting. I, you know, I learn stuff all the time, and I just learned something right there. I guess because of the way you go in and drive the piers into the ground using the weight of the house, therefore the slab, just the way of the slab itself helps you perform that repair and make it more more lasting. That's interesting. Okay. And sure. I mean, of- now, it's not that I can't do deep piers under the interior of a pier and beam or, or block home. It's that most of those price points for those homes just doesn't justify the expense of doing, say, a $35,000 foundation repair right. uh, to make a permanent repair. And, and we'll do that on historic buildings, um, landmarks, things of that nature, but rarely do we do it for our investors on residential property. Okay. And and thinking about, so we, we've got some pros there. What about cons? Um, you know, cons, of course, uh, all come back to the one factor. There's a one-word answer for why there's even a foundation repair industry, and that's water. Either water. too much of it or not enough of it. Those things are what cause our foundations to move, whether it's erosion or damp basements, overwatering of soils that cause a little bit of uh, liquefaction that allow foundations to settle in other parts of the country or whether it's the clay soils we're sited on here in Texas, which expand with moisture changes and contract with moisture changes. There's a little dirty secret about the clay soils we're sited on in Texas. They dry when they're not wet enough, and each time they shrink, there's a little bonding that goes on to the molecular level to prevent them from coming back up 100%. So over the decades of wet, dry, wet, dry, we lose support of the foundation. It settles, and it won't come back up with just water alone. And that's when peering or foundation repair is, is required to bring that structure back up. But water, uh, if you can picture the pier and beam home, uh, you know, the soils around that home uh, are building up over the decades. So leaves, grass clippings, all these things are, are causing the soils to uh, get higher around the perimeter. And it creates a little swimming pool effect under your crawl space of your home. Uh, water standing after heavy rains uh, will cause those interior piers to experience some movement. And although the perimeter may not move as much, uh, you can see where too much water is not good for your pier and beam. So that's kind of the, the con on pier and beam style structures. On the slab homes, we have a lot of upheaval in the DFW area that uh, because of hillside elevation changes, oftentimes water impacts one side of the house and not the other three sides, causing those soils to stay more expanded or possibly even to expand the soils more than naturally uh, found. It, that will jack up one side of the house or let down the other three sides and kind of create a, a bit of a tilt or uh, slope in that slab. So uh, too much water uh, on slab homes is a problem, but generally we find not enough water in certain areas. Um, in a perfect world, if we got an inch to an inch and a half of rainfall every week, 
I wouldn't be in the foundation repair <laughs> business. I'd have been something far less cool, like an actor or a musician. Yeah. Well, you said you had a record year last year, and what did we have here in Texas? We we had drought for uh, the bulk of the year with, with a couple of pockets of heavy rain towards towards the end there. So I was going to ask you, yeah, what's worse? La Nina, yeah, that's, uh, that sounds cute, but it's actually yeah. not. Uh, <laughs> a very dry, hot summer, and that causes soil shrinkage where the soils actually pull away from the foundation. And then you have the deluge of heavy rains that come in, and that uh, opens a pathway for that water to get under your foundation and possibly redistribute some soils and create some havoc. So... You pull up to a house, you, you, so a client's called you out, and you see you know, a couple trees right at the base, some big red, red tip fatania bushes. Uh, what, are, what are those doing to my foundation? Oh, I call that shrubs gone wild. I, I'm going to do a video <laughs> on that, you know, censored. But, yeah, I mean, that interaction is true. I mean, as I teach my investors, when you're approaching the neighborhood for a prospective property, look at that neighborhood as you're driving in. Roads, streets, sidewalks, conditions, if they're cracked, been recently repaired. Uh, that's an indicator that you might be getting into some soils that are, are moving around. When you look at the structures, look at the size and age of the trees around the structures. There's a well-known interaction between trees and foundation failure. These trees are going to get their moisture from anywhere they can, the street, the sidewalk, your driveway, and your structure, your house. Uh, so much so, the University of Texas put out a report back in the late 70s stated the minimum distance from your foundation you should plant a hardwood tree is the adult height of the tree all right very good hey let's take a pause there i want to learn more about evaluating that foundation that's a great segue to our next seg segment so listeners stick around got questions call lifestyles unlimited at 855-497-4335 the real estate investor radio show continues next Right now, we're coming upon a great opportunity. It's that time in which you're going to find that the marketplace is changing and it is shifting to a buyer's market away from a seller's market. Number one, the brokers don't want you to know that. They're going to do everything they can do to keep you from believing the truth. Number two, the sellers don't want to believe it. Although in the back of their minds, they know it. Now, that doesn't mean everybody will crater for you. But some people are going to be in those situations where they have to negotiate for deals. And you've got to be there. Now, if you're not there, you won't get one. Join us for the free online workshop and we'll show you how to be in the right place at the right time in any market cycle. Register at LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. That's LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. Creating the lifestyle you've always wanted. You're hearing Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Andy Webb. I'm joined today by Gary Coffing with Correct Foundation Repair. If you have any questions for me, send me an email to askandy at l u i n c. 
com. And Gary, we'll get your contact information out here in just a moment, a little later. Um, as we headed into the last break, you were you were talking about trees. Tell, let's let's finish that thought. Why don't, why don't you do that for us? Absolutely. Well, again, trees add value to residential and, for that matter, multifamily real estate. Uh, so we can't recommend cutting trees just to make sure it doesn't affect the foundation because we're we're cutting into our our profitability at that point. Uh, Trees take moisture regardless of season, so we can maintain that tree. I mean, if you'll if you'll look at maybe reducing the foliage of the tree, it's the leaf that transpires moisture into the atmosphere. So the less leaf you have, the less water that tree would need to stay healthy. You know, the rule of thumb: if you can read a newspaper sitting under a shade tree, there's plenty of sunlight for grass to grow. It's just the fight for moisture that you have around trees that cause those dead spots in the yard. So by maintaining your tree and your foundation with some additional moisture during those La Nina dry uh, mini droughts or droughts, uh, making sure you have positive uh, water flow away from the foundation when we have heavy rain so that you don't get standing or pooling water on one side or the other or in certain areas, we can have our trees and maintain our foundation too. Now, when I'm coming into a neighborhood, those trees towering over the house, the the big hardwoods just give me warm, fuzzy feelings. I know I'm coming <laughs> home. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that my investors need to look for. If you uh, just kind of stop away from the house and just look at it from a distance, you can oftentimes pick up a little smile or a little frown along the fascia uh, of the house. Uh, the, the front and sides of the house may indicate that there's a little sagging or a, a little edge dropping going on. And I assure you, a smiling house is not a happy home. Uh, but those are things you can see that when you're farther away than if you get too close. When you do get close to the house, look around the entire perimeter of the house, especially around openings like windows and doors for caulk joints. Uh, check for any brick or rock veneer cracks. Uh, look for those uh, brick lines. I mean, sometimes you can see the brick line standing at the sidewalk in front of the house and just eyeball down the brick for those sags or, or humps. Uh, and yeah. if you have trouble eyeballing that, sometimes I've even put my face up against the brick veneer and just eyeball down the brick that way to see if I can see it. Yeah, you're talking about looking along the looking along the mortar line, right? Yeah, look along your mortar line. On your on your rock homes, it's a little harder, but uh, there again, uh, if you look at windows, doors, Oftentimes, you can see where they just don't look square to you. It looks like one side's dropping more than the other, and that could be an indication. Uh, you know, we really want a foundation to do two things. One is to support the structure above it, and two is to keep your feet out of the dirt. And if it's doing both of those things well, then by golly, it's not really <laughs> failed, has it? Uh, to be a little more specific, when you're looking at this property and you've gone around the perimeter and you've checked those cock joints and those door alignments, open and close and latch and lock all the doors and windows. The reason for that is that if the house has shifted enough to become a safety issue, those may bind, and that would prevent someone from being able to get out of a burning building in a hurry. Uh, if all the doors and windows open, close, latch, and lock properly, close the doors, look at the alignment of the door at the top margins, the side margins, to see if you see uh, one side of the door maybe a little higher than the other. That can indicate you've had some foundation movement in some cases. If you get stuck in your bedroom, that's not any better than getting stuck at the front door. So the idea is that those things should function for safety. Uh, exterior brick or rock veneer cracks. As long as the crack isn't large enough to allow water into the wall or insect or rodent intrusion, God forbid, uh, then you know it's not uncommon for those surfaces to have some hairline cracks just due to expansion and contraction. Uh, but anything that gets too large uh, might be 
an indicator of foundation issues and problematic for safety. Uh, no noticeable humps, dips, slopes, or cracks in the floors that might cause someone to trip, fall, or lose their balance and hurt themselves. Um, we certainly on interior sheetrock or drywall cracks, that's, you know, if they're hairline cracks, they're repairable. And if they're really large enough to negate your fire safety rating that would allow a fire to spread too rapidly from room to room, then that might be a health and safety related issue. I'm not saying that all homes with a sheetrock crack, a brick crack, and uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a, a doming in, in the middle of a room are in failure, but it's something that helps you to kind of determine whether or not you're going to want to investigate that further. Yeah, exactly. We and that's my that was my broad question for this segment is evaluation because I I do the first thing I, I go out to the property by myself. Maybe I have my little son with me, and, and we look around and I figure out: Do I need to call Gary? Do I need to call my roofer? Do I need you know who do I need to call to help me? perform my due diligence here what what is my you know what am i supposing for this property so these are signs things to look for and and just as an aside gary i know from experience that when you come out and you lift that foundation those those doors and those windows that are out of plumb and some of those larger sheetrock cracks they 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 fix themselves they 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 return to their pretty close to where they where they need to be which which is which is great. What about That's the perfect scenario? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, if no one has mickeyed with any of those doors, windows, cracks before we <laughs> yeah. get there, we're able to put everything back to as near the as built condition as possible. Yeah, absolutely. What about I've bought a lot of hoarder houses over the years, and you you talked about floor sloping and stuff like that. Boy, I've been in houses where I can't even walk across the floor. What do you do in those situations? Once again, there there's no situation we can't remedy. Uh, you know, it's a matter of experience how to put a house back together again. With older homes, the probability of additions being added while it was perhaps not uh, in the as-built condition or level, if you will, uh, are more prevalent. Uh, upgrades, new kitchens, new bathrooms have been installed in older structures when perhaps it wasn't level. Uh, and for that reason, I, I tell people right up front, the only way I can level your house is with a bulldozer because, believe me, it wasn't built level to begin with, and it's probably moved significantly before some of the improvements preventing me from being able to bring it back. Uh, and, and therefore, I don't use the term level. We want function. We want to be safe in our homes and have it be comfortable. And when you get into that fun house roller coaster, it can be fixed. There, there's no home that can't be made comfortable again. Just because I see those sheetrock cracks, do do I have to repair the foundation? Well, again, uh, the FHA VA allows us to have up to one inch of rise or fall over a 16-foot span. So it can't be level for 10 feet and drop an inch in the last six. But if it's no more than a quarter inch every four feet, then it's considered totally acceptable for their products without an engineer's inspection or remediation. I'm going to hold this for three to five years and then sell. So I want to make sure, like you said, that it is saleable, that I can reach the broadest uh, pool of potential buyers, and there are limitations if it is an FHA or VA buyer. They're going to look at that foundation and everything else, uh, to be to be frank. But take that away as it can be fixed. That's that's what I'm hearing. That's the message that I'm getting. Time and money, typically, right? That's what determines the, the repair eventually. But um, so it can be fixed, and there are situations, and I've, I've experienced experiences where I've had three con- three vendors out, right? Let's look at your, look at the foundation, get those bids, and, and I hear the same thing well it's just a you know if you put a watering program in on this side you'll you'll lift that up that little bit of residual a couple of inches that you need and and you're you're good to go now let's say that it does need actual foundation repair what what does that commonly look like how intrusive is that 
Well, it's very intrusive and mostly to your wallet. So we want to avoid doing that at all costs. But if you have a structure that requires it, uh, in many cases, we have to remove some of those shrubs we referred to earlier so that we can have access to the foundation uh, to be able to install the piers that are necessary in cases of pier and beam or block and pad. Sometimes skirting has to be removed to be able to access deteriorated beam materials or joists and to allow for lifting the structure. So it'll look like World War III while the work's being done. The good news is that it cleans up well. In most cases, we're able to you know, recompact soil in the area, re-landscape, and uh, no worse for wear from your curb appeal standpoint. Uh, in a perfect world, we're able to close most of those cracks that we've discovered and remedy those sloping floors that you can feel. And that's, that's just part of what we do is, is bringing structures back, restoring it to as near the as-built condition as possible. Uh, so certainly uh, it's it's a little bit uh, traumatizing to the uh, gardener that has an impeccable lawn, but uh, most of the time we're able to make it look very nice when we're done. And uh, it's not as as horrifying as it might seem. No, it's actually pretty fascinating. I, you know, if you're to the listener, if you're doing a, a foundation repair and you're in the area and you can go take a look and watch how they do that, spend you know ten fifteen minutes. It's it's very interesting. We actually did foundation repair on my personal house while I was working from home. Being inside the house, Gary, when that's happening, it's loud and it's a little scary. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. well, I need to evacuate. Um, but it's fascinating to to watch. And and to your point. You know the, the 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 things you do going in. Will you repair those on the on the way out? Uh, the shrubs, etc. Um, and 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 you make that diamond in the rough. You make it that diamond. You make it you make it shine. Now we've made it shine. It looks great again. We've done the repairs. Ongoing maintenance. All right. Foundation maintenance. What should I be doing to make sure I don't have a problem in the future? Well, I mean, I realize that all of you have tenants that love to water during these dry spells, and they'll go out there and really take care of your foundation. <laughs> but the more you can automate the maintenance, the better. Uh, most of the older homes will maybe have no gutters or downspouts, or if they do, the downspouts are dumping too close to the structure. So we want to, again, create positive drainage away from the foundation, pick up as much water as you can, and carry it at least 10 feet away from your foundation if possible. In some of those older homes with the, the lowest spot in the, the yard being the house, uh, you may have to install some area drains, French drains, combination of the two. You might have to take those downspout drains underground to carry them out away from the foundation to the curb. Uh, those are all good things at, at getting rid of too much water. In the event of not enough water, then you know, watering systems uh, are available uh, they're not your yard sprinkler that takes care of the grass, shrubs, and trees because that's all shallow, evaporates, runs off. We want subterraneous, slow, drip-type watering systems for our foundation as well. So you could have a foundation watering system installed on a rental property that is automated, that just comes on and adds a little bit of water every day. You're making a deposit into that soil bank so that when we hit that dry spell, there's enough moisture that you don't lose support of your foundation and have those movements. Uh, anybody that reaches out to me, I'm happy to send them a, a well-written engineer's uh, description of all the things to look for and perhaps all the ways to remedy those. Uh, I know it's not going to be 100% nationwide, all-inclusive, but it covers all of those basis points of how to control too much water and how to add water where needed. Uh, okay. On an auto automated basis. So we want to avoid too much water. We want to avoid too little water. Uh, how do they reach out to you? What can you give us your contact info? 
Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you can email me at Gary, that's G-A-R-Y, at correct with a K, K-O-R-R-E-C-T dot net, Gary at correct dot net. Uh, certainly, uh, you can call me if you're in the DFW or anywhere in the country with questions at 214-392-1462, 214-392-1462. Yeah, and, and you know, I have a flyer like that I got from a different foundation company a decade ago. When I move residents in, I, I give them a copy of that as well. And, and, and it's a conversation, you know, I do as part of my move in. There's a, one of my checklist items is discuss foundation maintenance and watering. And, and we go through that and I explain why. And tell them what will happen if, 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 they don't, if they don't do their part. And what's so important about that is, is that's where the, the breakdown in warranties as well as customer satisfaction occurs. Uh, it's, you know, if you come in and educate them on what's been done to the foundation, what they need to do to maintain the foundation, you don't hear that, boy, I wish somebody had told me that you know, when I bought the house type of conversation that I hear way too often. Uh, warranties are important uh, in the sale of residential property, uh, whether it's multifamily or not, in Texas. And the way to preserve the warranty is to have read it and understand it and understand what you need to do to maintain that warranty. Way too often that chain gets broken, the buyer doesn't understand what needed to be done, and they void the warranty unknowingly. Yeah. Uh, warranties can be transferred on most permanent repairs, and every contractor in the state is going to give you at least a one-year warranty on any improvement they do on your structure, whether it's just replacing a joist or a beam under a pier and beam block and base type home, or whether it's deep piers around your foundation. Uh, you're you're going to have a warranty that can sometimes be transferred uh, in that time frame, uh, but yeah. the best warranty is a good quality repair and a quality conscious uh, contractor that does the work. And ongoing maintenance, to your point, and, and the flyer you, you you have for for the listeners. So, Gary, we're headed to the end of the show. I want to thank you for coming on. A ton of great information there. If the listeners just tuning in, go to our website, lifestylesunlimited.com. You, this will be archived there. You can uh, listen to this as a podcast. And as we've learned, foundations are an important part of the houses as well as the apartments that we invest in. And for you, for you listening now, a good education is the foundation to becoming a successful real estate investor. I want you to go to lifestylesunlimited.com to learn more about what we do to register for our free workshop. And hey, if you can make it out, be sure to sign up for that Wealth and Passive Income Expo. That's going to be Wednesday, February the 15th through Saturday, February the 18th in Irving, Texas. Gary, that's in our neck of the woods in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'll see you there. And to the listener, I hope to see you there as well. It's not the money. Remember, it's not the money. It's the lifestyle. Y'all have a good day. Thank you for listening to Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Ready for more of the map? Visit LifestylesUnlimited.com. Explore our videos and articles. Click on the radio tab to access past show podcasts. View the radio show schedule and listen to our best of radio shows. Want to continue the conversation? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. We want to meet you as well. Sign up for a free workshop at Lifestyles lifestylesunlimited.com. Until next time, remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle.
The information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.